everyone, welcome back to But Why Though the Podcast, and today we have a special episode, which is an interview with Helly Kennedy, one of the writers on the official continuation of the science fiction show Orphan Black, Orphan Black, the next chapter from Serial Box. Take a listen. on to talk about uh, the Orphan Black official canonical continuation, Orphan Black, the next chapter. Um, yeah, we've got, yeah, we're continuing the chapter, so there are more clones, uh, more mystery, and the rabbit hole runs deeper. And as of an official continuation, and, and I know in the press release it said that it's written like a, a TV-like writer's room, how does this continuation, because it is in, in, in audiobook form, how does that differ from other forms of audio? Because I know a lot of people are doing podcasts and stuff now with stories. What makes Orphan Black, the next chapter, different? Um, what's kind of interesting about the serial box format, well, we write everything in prose. So it's like reading 10 novellas throughout the season um, that gets put out. And then we have uh, the uber-talented Tatiana Maslani reading um, the audiobook version of our prose. So uh, we get to have her uh, do, do voices and um, give the clones that we've written life and also get deep into their psychology and there's a little bit of internal monologue. So we get to play with that. So from, in terms of the show, that's sort of how it differs. We get inside people's heads, which is pretty cool. And so I think that's a, a super interesting kind of change for the Orphan Black universe. Which clone is your favorite to get into? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, this kind of changes. It's sort of like what am I in the mood for today or who do I relate to today? But often I really like Crystal and I love Helena. Why those two? Crystal just makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know. She's so funny and so interesting. She sort of like represents a part of, you know, popular culture that's like, you know, kind of hilarious, but also just like she, she's she's got – a certain intelligence to her but you know she's got a lot of she's a little short-sighted so that's fun um and then helena's just so primal yeah you know I, that's what i like about helena she's just like she says it as it is um she's not afraid to brandish a fish knife you know um <laughs> yeah i like helena just because you know you don't see that character that often on tv um so i, I She's not Encino Man. I don't want to say that, right? But she's like, you know, she's got that kind of, that vibe. And you can do a lot of stuff with her as a character that you normally couldn't. She sells it, you know? Yeah. She really because she's so out there. And I know for me, like when it comes to Orphan Black, it's this beautiful, big and robust, you know, sci-fi world. And it's something that we really hadn't seen before it came on. Um, what brought you to writing for this property? 
Um, well, I had been, uh, I, I knew several of the writers because they uh, went to the same uh, film center up in Toronto that I had attended. Um, so I, I knew them from, uh, I knew them prior to the show. And uh, I kind of was just in touch with them. Um, and, you know, I knew a lot about the show and some of the actors on the show I had known from before, from years before. And uh, I think, like, in terms of writing for the graphic novel, I was uh, in the right place at the right time. And I knew the editor on the project when he was looking for a writer. And I also knew the people who had created the show and everybody working on it. And I was really close to the room. And so... Um, the one, the graphic novel that I ended up working on and how I sort of entered the orphan black universe was uh, one called Helsinki that tied in heavily to season four, I believe it was. It's been a few years now. Um, and so it was super handy, I think, because I could just like walk into the room and see what they were building for that season. And then I would go back and use that in the graphic novels, which were getting published before the season would air. So it was kind of like I could play with what they were doing before it was known to anybody um so I think it kind of all worked out that way and when it comes to writing is it easier to write something that's tying into continuity that's going to be coming or you know like you said leading into a season or is it easier to you know just take the story in your you know in a how do I explain it you're not bookended right like you're, you're moving forward and there's you know um Orphan Black, the next chapter, is the piece after everything else. And, and is it easier to, is it, does it feel freer almost? It's kind of like, I think there's challenges with both writing something that's a backstory where you're writing like lead-ins to other um, storylines that are being formed at the same time, which is what my first experience with the first uh, comic book series I did uh, with Orphan Black was. Um, and then after five seasons of TV, uh, writing the continuation of a show which is very complex and has so many characters and moments and twists and turns, um, that has its challenges too, but in a mm -hmm. whole other direction. Um, I think I would say we have a lot of freedom uh, with this continuation that we can draw on everything that's already happened. And it's kind of fun to imagine based on the rich characters and what they went through, where they would be about 10 years in the future. Because that's yeah. sort of when we set it from the time of the show to the time that our story takes place, there's been a 10-year gap. Um, so we have a little bit of liberty, but we're really loyal and to the original characters and plot. And we do a lot of digging and we, we, we go for accuracy. You know, we want to make yeah. sure we're, we're not breaking continuity. So that's kind of, that's the challenge there. I think like when you're writing a backstory, I think I wrote mine at the time when the show was still being shot. So that was quite confusing because I didn't want to reveal <laughs> stuff in the backstory that they didn't want to be known because it tied into future seasons. Yeah. So that was a little bit, yeah, that was challenging. <laughs> but it was fun, right? Because it was like all this stuff getting built at the same time keeps you on your toes, you know? <laughs> and. So when it comes to writing, and I'm sorry I'm asking you a lot, a lot of writing questions, but I really want to, it's something that I've never thought of so much because I consume this content, right? And I never think about the different processes that go from writing and writing in a TV format to writing in a graphic novel to writing something that's ultimately going to be an audio production. 
are there different ways to approach um, the tasks that these different mediums need? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, like, because I come from a screenwriting background, I would say that screenwriting primarily is um, you're focusing on action and drama and uh, character relationship and development, but all through action. Because it's kind of like you see what you see is what you get. So it's a show don't tell medium. You want to show a development. You can't jump into someone's head and explain their motivations. You need to find a way to work that out in active plot. Um, so that has its challenges. But then um, I would say for the graphic novels, it's kind of a weird hybrid of prose and screenwriting together. Because I was working with a uh, uh, a comic book artist. And... It was sort of like I could sometimes I jump into characters' minds and also explore narration, mm-hmm. uh, though I didn't. It wasn't really what I was relying on. It wasn't. I didn't lean on it that much. Um, uh, but then I would collaborate. I, I'd write a full script. I'd write out panels and shots and ideas for imagery, and then I would collaborate with my artists who were like in Australia and in California, and um, we would. Uh, end up having to adjust because they would come with me to me with an awesome idea for something that I thought I understood in terms of imagery. And so we would adjust and they'd have shorthands and ways that they could condense some of my writing because comic book writing, the format is really tight. I had 20 pages and, you know, I, sometimes I put like, admittedly a lot of dialogue you know I read it and I'm like oh my gosh that's like way too much dialogue um but then uh uh, you want to like pare it down and you want impact in certain pages bigger panels or fewer panels for moments it's it's like thinking in film edits with very limited pages um so but you can sometimes use internal dialogue from characters so it's a bit of a hybrid then, like, on the other end of that spectrum, prose, I find it so freeing because I've been writing in, like, visual mediums for so long. Yeah. You just go, like, hey, like, I have this weird way that a character would jump to a conclusion that is so internal and it's a thought process and I've never <laughs> been able to do this before. <laughs> I can't explain it away. But, like, this time I can go, yeah, she thought of this because she used to read a lot of fantasy novels. And, yeah, sure, why not walk into a tavern and see if they can find the villain there or something like that's pretty much like that's probably what I would do constantly (laughs) sort of like an example you know I can get into people's thought process and and sort of exploit that or mold it and use it to explain why people do what they do in the stories that I'm working on so I really love that um that part of writing in prose that was a a real treat for me working on uh, the uh, cereal box version of Orphan Black. Wow, that's amazing to hear. And those are those are things that I, you know, because I'm not a creative writer. Those are things that I never even think about. Like, there's so many layers uh, to producing something, especially a property that so many people love and care about. And and I kind of have to ask, how is the clone uh, the clone cup? Ah, clone cl- I can't say clone cl- club. It's talking about the CL. Yeah, how has the Clone Club reception been? It's been awesome. I think, um, you know, we've had a lot of attention online. Um, There's some Clone Clubbers that I remember from, you know, when the show was airing, because you end up making relationships 
yeah. online with people and there's certain people that you just get to know and you know they're a really intelligent group of fans um and they're really passionate and they have a lot of opinions and it's cool to see those people come back and get excited about the show again so it's been received pretty well i mean all of the writers are sort of like, oh, my gosh, we hope they like it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it's a little bit stressful um, because we're following five seasons of TV and a super passionate, intelligent fan base is going to be consuming it. So we're kind of like, they're excited right now, but we're, <laughs> we're, we're like, okay, okay. <laughs> Trying to temper that a little bit and downplay it to myself. But it's been it's been great so far. It's really cool to... To be back in this uh, this universe again. And on that note, if there are any um, you know existing clone clubbers who are who may be on the fence about you know listening to the serial box formatted um, next chapter to the show, what would you tell them to kind of you know bring them into the fold to to get them excited for it? New clones <laughs> and old clones too. Um, and I would say, you know, we've got your, some of your favorites from the original series, plus some new additions. And we also have taken quite a bold, we've made a bold move in what we do with the clones and their relationship to, I don't know, that's a spoiler. I don't know if I should say it. Something extremely dramatic happens in the orphan black world. Um, and the clones are can't live the way they've been living for the 10 years um, between the end of the show and our storyline. Something hugely dramatic happens. Well, I am and told in just with that. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Okay, so <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did a good job of that. I was like, how do you not, how do you not blow it? And yeah. then also like, intrigue people, it's kind of hard. <laughs> I think you did a good job with that. I am definitely invested. Okay. Um, I also wanted to know too I asked you who's your favorite clone to write who's the most difficult clone to write oh um well I would say sometimes Kasima um you know she's an interesting nuanced character super smart she is a geneticist (laughs) <laughs> and I am <laughs> so that's tricky um and uh yeah Kasima is kind of challenging I would say that I, I struggle with her sometimes a bit with Sarah just because you know she's a deep character and she's you know you can totally write her as this one note like archetype yeah where she's this kind of destructive wayward woman who hasn't you know, grown or matured in life, which you got to be really mindful of that because she's not like that at all. When you watch the show, she grows so much over the five seasons. So, I mean, you got to be mindful of her, but overall maybe it is Kasima. Yeah. Yeah. Kasima. And that's actually been something that I know kind of pulled me into the orphan black universe um is because it it, with so many clones and and so many different identities it's really easy or it could be really easy to fall into um archetypes or tropes really hard and and that's something that i've really admired the universe for kind of um, subverting and pushing back on and using intelligently 
um, when it comes to adding new clones, how do you balance out the the dynamics, especially, you know, uh, as you said, 10 years after? How do you balance the dynamics of, you know, the, the clones? Well, yeah, finding <laughs> finding a clone that Pat hasn't been yet is kind of tricky sometimes. <laughs> like, she's been like, I don't know, what was there, like 13 personalities that had a lot of screen presence on TV. And yeah. then, like, I don't even know how many ended up in the comics and other, like, incarnations of the OB universe. Yeah. But um, I would say we've, we you know, we look at profession. So what's a job that some of the clones haven't had yet and how would that job inform a personality and what kind of personality be attracted to that job? This is kind of a very vague hint as to what we've got going on. Um, uh, and then I think it was just like in terms of balancing the personality and trying to find a way to get a clone in there that is good for the chemistry um, of clone club. Uh, I think we just put layers and layers and layers on them. And it was really nice with pros because it was a little easier to do that. We didn't need that TV shorthand where, like, they show up on camera and you see what they're wearing and the way they hold themselves, right? And you know yeah. who they are. We got to we got to cheat a little, right? Because we could just layer on backstory and memories and explain family life and mm -hmm. stuff that, you know, might be harder in TV. So I think... We paid a lot of attention to that, honestly. Awesome. Well, it sounds like there sounds like there's a lot to explore in this in this next chapter. Um, I, for one, am excited for it. <laughs> I'm excited! Yay! <laughs> I'm glad that you're excited for it. It's kind of like a relief. You go off and you write this stuff with um, alone, and we're working in a little pot of really talented writers. I'm working with some amazing people, um, and you don't know what people will think or if people will be excited because yeah. you're so isolated. So it's cool to hear that. Yeah. Everything that you've said so far has me really intrigued. I mean, new clones alone, um, <laughs> seeing the world expand. Um, that's pretty much all I have. You've answered all my questions and I'm just ready to start listening, honestly. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> Why don't you tell everybody where they can find Orphan Black, the next chapter, um, and where they can find you, you know, see, hear, you know, read any of your work? Well, you can find the uh, Orphan Black, the next chapter, at SerialBox.com, and that's serial, like, serial killer, and box <laughs> like a box, dot com, um, not like serial the food. Uh, and you can uh, subscribe and ha access it through a membership, I believe. Um, and you can find my graphic novels. Uh, I have uh, two series that I did uh, on Amazon or through IDW Publishing as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Holly, for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, and thanks for the amazing questions. <laughs> <laughs>